across the street from the Texas State Capitol in Austin, this is the Trey Blocker Show, starring Charlie Hodge and Trey Blocker, with today's guest, State Representative Jason Isaac, and here's Trey Blocker. Thank you, Charlie Hodge, and welcome to the Trey Blocker Show. We are honored to have in our studio today State Representative Jason Isaac. Welcome, sir. Good morning. Good to be here. Thanks for, thanks for coming in. Uh, Representative Isaac is a fourth-generation Texan, born in Houston, Texas, went to Stephen F. Austin in Nacogdoches. That's right. And uh, while you were there, founded the lacrosse team. We're going to want to hear about that. I did. Uh, What year was that? That was uh, 1991 is when we officially started. We just celebrated our 25th anniversary with a nice alumni game. Uh, last fall, so yeah, those were lacrosse days, the early '90s. Yeah, it was fun. Still, still involved. Still play. Still coach, and uh, both my my boys play as well. Did you Did you have to tell those people in East Texas what lacrosse was? I, I did. Yes, they had no idea. <laughs> they, they had no idea. They They thought it was a foreign game. I said, No, it's an American Indian game. It's been around. It's the oldest Native American sport, and so is that right? It is. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and it's actually the national sport of Canada. Huh. So, well, what did well, they use? What was the equipment then? I'm wondering. Uh, sticks, and there's actually you'll go to museums and you'll see some old sticks around. And I would doubt the people in the museums actually know what they are, but they're just kind of old sticks, and they've got uh, leather strings to, used to hold a what was a leather wrapped rock that they use as a ball. And they would, the nice. Indian tribes would play one another over vast fields and terrain for days on end. Uh, and they would they would do so as really a, a either a preparation or a way to settle battles. Is they, they would they would play lacrosse. Sounds like a cricket match. Now, see, we're already off on a tangent. How yes. is how is hockey not the national sport of Canada? You, you know, I I don't know, but lacrosse officially is, and I guess they just haven't changed that adoption. So I'm, wow. I'm kind of glad. So do you still play? I do. Yeah, yeah. I play every now and then. There's there's a few men's leagues around, but we'll have coaches games and then alumni games and. You should bring a, a, a leather-wrapped rock next time and be like, fellas, I got the ball. <laughs> See who backs yeah. out. Yeah, they've progressed a little bit in the days. Now they're solid rubber and, yeah. and hurt like heck when you get hit by them. Yeah, but my dogs love them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they sell them as massage balls now. It's like, hey, buy a lacrosse ball for a massage ball. Yeah, that makes sense. You're rubbing up against the wall. I guess a lacrosse so. ball in between you and the wall. Yeah. Weird. Don't get but, caught. Yeah. <laughs> just don't get caught doing that. You know, whatever you're into. Whatever yeah, into. to each his own. You have two sons. Are they playing lacrosse? I do, yeah. Both of them. They're 12 and 14, 6th and 8th grades, and they both play. They both both played since kindergarten. I started the program in Dripping Springs uh, a few years ago when my older son was in kindergarten. I think he'll be, when he finishes this season, he'll be the, the longest player for our youth lacrosse program in the history because no one else started at kindergarten except for my son nice. I kind of, it's like hey you Very have nice. to it's I, the old sage that's right yeah I, i'm hearing a scholarship in his future you know it's probably going to be something along the lines of academic debate or track he's he's quite the okay. track star he just won district in the 800 uh, last week so Way it's pretty go. exciting for our family yeah yeah he that's loves awesome. the mile the mile and a half two mile he loves running distance and the coach yeah. said hey i'd like for you to run the 800 and lo and behold he wins district doing it in his first competition oh wow well, yeah. I've never understood runners personally. Mm, man, I don't run unless chased. I know. I'd every, and then pretty slow. At Austin High, every Monday, uh, Coach uh, Mulberg would make us run the mile. And if you ran it under six and a half minutes, you didn't have to run it again. And I must have run 700 six-minute and 31-second miles. 
<laughs> I'm not sure he liked me looking well, back. But yeah, go home. <laughs> so, Boy, I load that running. Yeah. <laughs> Your wife, Carrie, is an angel. How does she put up with so much t- testosterone in one house? Um, she cracks the whip, so she's mm. she's the disciplinarian in the house for she's sure. And she, yeah, she's she's the boss. Um, it, it's kind of funny. We have this joke around the house when the boys are acting up. I say, don't let me, don't make me go get your mom. Um, uh. and she, <laughs> she enjoys it when I say that, but it's kind of a lighthearted, yeah. and it brings us back down and brings the moment to a lighthearted. But it's 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 pretty funny when I say that. The sure, first time sure. she heard that, she was like, "Are you kidding?" It was pretty. <laughs> You've weaponized me. <laughs> yeah, that's You've weaponized exactly. your beloved. Go get your mother. <laughs> well, and, and so for those in our listening audience who have not had the pleasure of meeting Jason Isaac, he is a strapping six foot one. one yeah, uh, it depends on the you know the bulge in my disc in my back. If it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I shrunk, uh, I've shrunken a little bit due to some violent head concussions uh, and you yeah. know, body trauma. I haven't been too smart. But my point being. Your boys should be plenty scared of, of, of the wrath of dad. They, they, they are. But to call in Carrie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah, cringing. Watch, watch out, watch <laughs> out. Yes, yeah. So you were elected to uh, to be a state representative in the Texas House in 2010. And I've noticed, I don't know if you did it back in 2010, but I've noticed several times since then on your Christmas cards and some of your campaign mailers, you do these photographs of your family on a couch I think there was one out in the field. You did one in front of the Capitol. So you just throw this couch on your shoulder and go wherever. Figure you'll see where you want to do a picture or what? We we do. It fits nicely in the back of my wife's car, and it's a, it's a chaise long to, to to correct you. Oh, okay, now, please. I, that, that's a whole other joke, and there's been articles written about that. Um, but yeah, it's it's a chaise lounge or it's, it's like a sofa chaise long i think is the correct pronounce but i never took french so <laughs> but anyways it we just took this picture family photo in 2009 and decided well that's a really good picture we'll use that for our campaign it was just we were gonna send it out to friends for christmas cards and then uh, in our campaign it got it just people liked the photo so much hey what's up with this sofa out in the middle of the field and you know at the republican party convention people like y'all are the ones what what's up nice. with this sofa out in the middle of the field and i was like well the democrats have taxed us out of our house well that went over <laughs> real big at the at the republican party convention uh in 2010 but so we've just stuck with it and it was kind of a sure. joke um, but now we do we rotate back and forth we'll find some place out in the district i serve to take our family photo uh, which will be this year, we'll do it at the end of the year, but if we're coming into session, we do it near the Capitol. Right. Um, That's awesome. It, with the Capitol in the background. And my our first campaign, it actually got stolen. Someone stole the <laughs> chaise longue. Someone stole the <laughs> chaise longue. And uh, it... it that was I, I've only, I only got tw- I only got really angry twice on the campaign, and I'm I'm pretty mild mannered, reasonable person. At least I I think so. I'm pretty patient. And and the the, the first time I got angry was when someone stole piece of furniture that sits at the end of our bed in our master bedroom i mean this isn't something that we just rent from a place hey we're gonna use the, the chaise again well, that for, was my next question yeah actually. it, it yeah. is and and it did we we used it in a video shoot our consultant said hey i want to bring this picture to life and i'm like okay that's great let's do it so we went off and went under some cedar trees and we're shooting for a few minutes capturing some video we went back out to the field where the sofa was originally and it was gone wow so for about two hours i'm dumpster diving and and calling yard maintenance people and our neighborhood and i mean anybody that i can think of to find out, okay, where did this thing go? And our camera crew left our neighborhood about three, four hours later that was shooting the videos. 
and a truck pulled out in front of him, and there's our chase sitting in the back of the truck. Uh, and so opportunity knocks. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> high speed chase ensues. No, they just, they just went around this truck real quick and cut them off and made them stop. And it's like, Hey, that, that, that you stole that sofa. And the guy's like, Oh man, I thought it was bulk pickup week. <laughs> oh yeah. Sure. You did. Pal. So about four or five hours later, we get it back. Um, that's awesome. And, and during this time I had done a missing family member video <laughs> and posted that to YouTube and the media had picked up on it. And, and we, we had a story. I've been trying, you know, it's a competitive awesome. campaign, first time I've ever run for office, and I'm, I'm putting press releases out there about important issues to the people of Texas, and what do I get on the news about? Your couch. Couch. This, nice. This, Sounds this, like this sofa. you couldn't have done anything without this Chase Lounge. I mean, it's been like this, it, it's the centerpiece. It, it is. It's so, kind of bizarre. Yeah, you, it, when you come into our office in the Capitol and, and see my office, I have every single year up, so I encourage nice. you to come by. I'm an E1 320 in the Capitol extension, and come by and check out. The, the the chase photos of, of the Isaac family and see how the boys have grown and that's it's kind of funny. So Representative Jason Isaac owes his political career to a couch. Yeah, yeah. a French couch, a French couch, a French no couch. less. Wow, I mean, those frogs. I mean, you could take a you could have a contest in your district. Where should I put the couch next and have uh, uh, voters like send in ideas? That's where's a, Waldo kind of thing? That's you know? a good idea. And then, yeah. then construct a list and be like, well, next week we're taking it over to Fern's you know, Blackberry Farm or something. And <laughs> That's awesome. That's a good idea. We, we, we have hauled it around to different political events and, and used it to you know, honor those that have been extremely generous with a family photo of their own. And, but nice. the, the first time we took one in front of the Capitol, a family walks by and this lady's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm guarding my couch. <laughs> and she's like, why? Because the kids were off with a photographer, you know, my sister-in-law taking pictures on the Capitol grounds, and uh, they were just roaming around. So I was standing guard. Just a man she's with like, a couch. Is there a history of this couch disappearing or getting stolen? I said, as, as a matter of fact, fact, there is. <laughs> and I wind up taking a picture of this lady and her two boys from Wisconsin on the sofa. Um one of those kids a couple of years later wind up going to UT and he ran into me somewhere and he's like, Hey, I want you to know we use that as our Christmas card. Oh, wow. Year. Wow. So now I'm starting to think you could rent this chase lounge yes, out yes. for a lot of money for uh, photography. It, shoots. It, it, it's pretty right. nice. It's pretty wow. nice. And, and the idea has been duplicated. <laughs> uh, imitation is the highest form of flattery, right? Yes. yes exactly so would you right. tell our listeners where your district is and kind of a little bit about it? So I serve Blanco and Hayes counties, just right outside of Austin. Uh, thankfully right outside of Austin. Mm, that's the, Oh man. You have like outside being yeah, the key o- o- away. Yes. yes. The heart of the hill country. It is. Yeah. It's the, the gateway to the hill country is what the water tower says in dripping Springs where I live, which is now thanks to our, our legislative efforts last session, we're the wedding capital of Texas. Uh, which is important. I think there's 32 wedding venues within about a five-mile radius of downtown Dripping Springs. Wow. So there's a lot of economic wow. development, tourism, because of that right there. People coming out there, they want to get married in the beautiful hill country. And so if you're listening and you're considering that, please come out to the hill country and, and check us out. Competition. Uh, Sounds like you can find the perfect place and and there's, a, and there's dealing to be done. And, and they're still they're building more because it's it's hard to find from what I've heard. It's, it's hard to find. I had a friend from Virginia that uh, posted something on Facebook that she was going to Austin for a wedding. And I'd, I'd sent her a message and I hadn't seen this person in 25, 30 years. And I'd sent her a message and I said, I have a funny feeling you're not going to Austin. I have a funny feeling you're coming to Dripping Springs. She's <laughs> like, how did you know? And so it was pretty nice seeing somebody I hadn't seen in years. But I represent Wimberley. San Marcos, where Texas State University is, 
Um, we got Kyle, Buda. Hayes County is the fastest growing county in the country. Wow. In the country. I was about to ask you that because I saw that in an article last week. That's an impressive number. Mm-hmm. Is that a, uh, and, you know, it's always mixed blessings with something like that, right? I mean, I, I assume everybody's wondering how you're going to build more roads and more infrastructure and... I have a meeting on that this week. As a matter of fact, we continue to have safety issues along Highway 290, which right. is becoming a not only because of the incredible growth in Hayes County, and, and there's a little bit of growth in Blanco County as well. Um, it, it just hasn't hit there yet, but there's more utilities that are available in Hayes County in certain areas than there are in Blanco County. and so But it'll, it'll get there as well, but with just a lot of health or safety issues along 290 is more and more people are using that as a thoroughfare a way to cut through to get over to i-10 right they'll go through uh, okay. dripping springs johnson city fredericksburg and then over to i-10 so we've got a lot of truck traffic that comes through there and um fortunately that's that's the safe part of it and so it's nice to have professional truck drivers come through there someone who's worked in the industry a long time um but you've got a lot of distracted you know drivers of four-wheel vehicles that are mm-hmm. that are causing some issues and we're right. having some fatalities and that's, so got a meeting later this week to talk with our what we're going to do try to make things safer on highway 290 so what do the people in your district care about what gets them excited from a policy standpoint these I'd, days i'd say water is number one we've we've worked uh, diligently over my sessions and that was something when i was running for office someone says if you get elected just just be prepared to learn all you can about water and i'm like what You know, I want to cut taxes. I want to improve our public education system and get the federal government out of our schools and let our school districts run themselves. And, you know, I was focused on really key issues that would probably resonate well wherever you go Mm -hmm. in the state. Um, But it was it was a good reminder that I kept hearing that if my my predecessors have have told me, hey, you got to focus on water and be prepared to fight. And sure enough. Um, and so at that point in time, I had Caldwell County as well in the district, and we had some water fights out there, and we were successful in getting some legislation passed in 2011 to uh, protect the groundwater in, in Caldwell County, and then last session to protect the groundwater and make sure that the entirety of Hayes County is within a groundwater conservation district so that we're doing things based on science when it comes to managing our groundwater. And, and so that's a good thing. We, we protected private property rights because there are some large landowners in Hayes County that want to be able to sell their water to their neighbors because, right. quite honestly, communities like Dripping Springs and Kyle and Buda and San Marcos need water with the growth that they're seeing. Well, do you guys, do you represent the summer camps? I was just thinking, I always went to La Junta and other camps that were out there by Wimberley, and I'm wondering... You know, they need their water. Yeah, they it's do. Probably a small amount of your of your constituents. Yes, but. and and they want the water protected so that we got spring flow in in the Cypress Creek and the Blanco River and um, so yeah, yep. That that's absolutely an issue. We want we want water to preserve for our San Marcos Springs mm-hmm. so that that water flowing is a great economic development tourism attracting yeah. tool. And so we want to protect that. But at the same time, we, we protected landowners' rights to be able to sell their water, just as long as it wasn't impeding and affecting their neighbors in a negative way, which I think is responsible and reasonable. And so we're, we're going to continue to, to make sure that we, we protect those beautiful natural resources that what we do, have. What does the Chase Lounge think about your, the water conservation? Have you consulted the I, couch? I, I have. We, we actually took the Chase out to Blue Hole in Wimberley. I think that was our <laughs> nice. family photo last year, about a year and a half ago. And, and so, and people have recognized it to me like that. You're at Blue Hole, aren't you? And we're like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Blue Hole is, I mean, so, I have fond memories walking there when I was a kid, you know, during camp, you'd take a day 
you walk over there and swim all day and I mean just gorgeous. Yeah, if you've never unreal, been, yeah. unreal. If you've never been, unreal. you need to go to Blue Hole in Wimberley. It's I mean, it's, incredible. it's unreal. And, and Jacob's Well is just this amazing hole. It's basically you're looking down into an aquifer. It's incredible water coming up out of the ground, and it's probably a twelve foot diameter hole. It's a it's a big hole in the ground, and just because there's been so much interest in people going there, you now have to make reservations in advance oh, wow. to go out there, just because it's so popular and so crowded. And it's right in this middle of the neighborhood, out in Wimberley, just an incredible. Charlie, place. what are you doing this afternoon? I'm going to Jacob's Hole. Me too. It's like a sapphire. It's like a floating sapphire. That's the water is just. Cool mesmerizingly yeah, yeah, beautiful yeah, blue, blue holes incredible huh and the amount of people you're right it's something that it was just kind of a you had to it was something you knew about it was a local treat and now just there's more locals and yeah. everyone wants to that's that's kind of the what you were saying how do you preserve that quaint and it's like austin's going through it Every, all the musicians are leaving all, all the things people love you know you, if you chase uh development too hard you you kind of you take away too much of the the soul, I guess. Yeah. And the hill country is just man, what a unique place. Yep. Yeah. It's <clears throat> so we do. We have a lot of demand for growth out there in the area, and people come to us and say we, we'd like for you to pass a municipal utility district, which is a tool for developers to use to to basically grow an area, to develop it, put in nice roads and sidewalks and and other features that that people are going to want that are attracted to really kind of preserve the beauty of mm-hmm. the area. <clears throat> and then I kind of go a step further and make sure that when they do put these in, that they're doing rainwater collection on community buildings so that nice. they can reuse that for irrigation, that they reuse gray water for irrigation and no fresh water. I mean, mm-hmm. fresh water, the fact that we actually treat water, expend a lot of energy to treat water so that we can consume it and to think that we put it on our yards mm-hmm. is just appalling when there's there's gray water from wastewater treatment facilities or from septic tanks that sure. you could actually use to water your plants and gardens. And so those are some of the requirements that I put on there so that we can continue to protect those natural resources that we have. Good. So, Representative, there was a news article a couple of weeks ago uh, that titled State Lawmakers Concerned Over TABC Expenditures and Antiquated Alcohol Laws. And you had some pretty strong quotes in this article. What was that flap about? So, well, you know, I ran for office. Actually, the first time I went to the Capitol was 2007. And I, and I went there with Trucking Day at the Capitol. I was, a marketing, I was marketing technology to trucking companies, not actually working for a trucking company. But the, the benefits or the impacts on their industry directly impacted my family. And so I was frustrated with some changes to some tax laws, which led me to go to the Capitol for the first time in my life in 2007. And then I went again in 2009, Trucking Day at the Capitol. I'm able to take one day off of work and go up there and express... Uh, my concerns uh, of how our dollars are being used and how people that are making decisions in that building were impacting and affecting my ability to provide for my family. So it's ultimately led me to run for office. And so when I read stuff and I find out stuff that we have people that are working for taxpayers that are going to Hawaii, that are going to San Diego and spending thousands, thousands of our taxpayer dollars and, and even in some cases being provided funds by an industry that they're supposed to regulate mm-hmm. you know, excessively, in my opinion, um, just, just frustrated me. I mean, Isn't that a racket? Is that a racket? Yeah, you'd almost think it was. Um, gosh, it just it didn't seem right to me. And so when I found out about it, I said, this is just unacceptable. 
And so I filed two amendments, one to the the supplemental budget bill. Let me stop you for a second. I said TABC, and that means something to us. Okay, but yes, to most yes, of the folks that, out there listening, they have no idea what we're talking about. TABC is the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission. They are responsible for administering all the alcoholic beverage laws in the state of Texas. That's correct. Right. Yes, and they go to a conference every year. It's their national association of, of uh, people that regulate the alcohol industry yeah, national yeah. convention of buzz kills yeah you, you would you would think you but would apparently think, not and huh? when you're when we're spending thousands and thousands of taxpayer dollars i mean i think the number was eighty five thousand dollars over just a couple of years in travel expenses um you know fifteen hundred dollars for one individual at a hotel in mm. san diego are you kidding me? For four days, and wow. they're and they're taking four people, five people, six people. They're constantly traveling to these events, and I understand the benefit of going to conferences and learning about other laws and what other states are doing and best practices. But this this just looks like a junket. It looks like you're partying on taxpayer dollars. It's something when I attend conferences to become a better legislator. I don't do it on the taxpayer's dime. I just don't feel right about it. Sure. Because some of these places are in, in what would be a nice place. There's a conference that I'm going to this summer that's in Denver. Um, and I just will not use taxpayer dollars to do that. I just don't feel right about doing that. Right. Um, so in this article, it says Isaac has been working for two sessions to level the liquor playing field in Texas. But he said he's been blocked by the alcohol industry's grip on the legislature. Isaac added that TABC officials who enforce Texas's antiquated liquor laws benefit from keeping those laws in place. So what kind of legislation are you working on? What are you trying to achieve? So there's a, a few things that we're trying to work on, dealing with wine, dealing with uh, craft beer, we've uh, and dealing with distillers, allowing people to be able to, um, right now in the state of Texas, if you want to go into a distiller and buy a couple of bottles, you can. And, and you've got to give them a bunch of information because you're only allowed to do it once a month. If you want to go into a craft beer place and buy a bottle or a six pack and take it with you because maybe you live in Laredo, but you really want some Twisted X beer from Dripping Springs, Texas, you can't do it. Right. Just not possible. You can go in there and you can get a pint. You can have a glass. You can buy it on site, but you have to consume it on site. You can't take any with you. Is it, it for health? Do they claim it's health reasons or what's the? No, it's because the they want you to buy it in the stores. But I mean, there must so, be like a a patsy uh, law where they're going, well, if you took it, it's not properly preserved. Are they saying it would be dangerous or are they just saying? It, it just violates our three-tier system that we have in place right now. So a manufacturer, it, it, and that's what they are. They're manufacturers. Oh. They can't be okay. retailers. You can't have a license in two different segments of the three-tier system. So you can't manufacture beer and be okay. a retailer or a distributor at the same time. So you have to have a middleman. Yes, yes. Okay. So they, they want you to go through a distributor to get it on store shelves. And which, you can't be the distributor also. Uh, it's not like they can open their own it distributor. It can be a small, very okay. small amount, but generally, no. You okay. can't be the distributor as well. But what this would do is if you are live from Laredo and you want to come up and you're a tour in Twisted X, man, I'd like to take a six-pack with me. You go back and you show your, your, your buddy that works at your grocery store and says, hey, man, I'd really like it if you guys carry this. And so guess what? Then the distributors benefit. Then the retailers benefit. And the craft brewers are going to benefit as well just by being able to allow people to take a couple of bottles. But when people come in from out of state and they're only allowed to buy two bottles of the distiller, 
um, per month. And it, it's just like, wait, what? And why do you need all my contact information? Well, we have to collect all this information because we you can only get two bottles per month. And with the beer, you just can't buy any at all. Like, man, I'd love to get a, a growler or a six-pack or a 12-pack and take this home to my buddies in Wisconsin mm-hmm. and show them how great Texas beer is. You just can't do it. And so there are some antiquated laws we've uh, in, in Texas regarding the sale of spirits that we need to fix. Um, a lot of people go to the uh, another These bill. blue laws? Yeah, you know, yeah. Are they different? I, I think they're a little bit different. They're just, again, people like the way the environment is right now that are in control of the environment okay. right now. And it's a way to stifle innovation and stifle competition from coming in. But because when you have that competition... The consumers ultimately win, but it does. It creates more competition, and you can actually grow the market, which I think was what we've seen in the craft brew industry and the distillers and the wineries. Um, I think the district that I serve has the most distillers, and we're tied for the most. Of, uh, when we're just breaking up house districts, so that, that does mean a lot to people because it's a convoluted system of how we get to you know, the population. But there's about 175,000 people per house district. With mine, I'm at about 210,000 because of the population growth. But we've got more distillers than any other house district. We've got the same number. We're tied, I think, with Representative Eddie Rodriguez in Travis County for the number of craft breweries. Okay. But it's growing. There's a ton of jobs that are being created in the district I serve. And I met with some of the distillers yesterday about, hey, we're, we started a year ago at three people, and now we're at nine. And these are full-time people. And then we've got 50 contractors. I'm like, wait, you have 50 contractors? Yeah, we didn't need full-time people, so we've got contractors in other parts of the state that are helping us out. I'm like, that's amazing. You're providing supplemental income for people's families to help increase their earnings and provide them a, a living beyond what they're used to. The other other portion of the three-tier system is is or, or really our TABC laws that we have in place right now is a lot of people go to Costco and they're like, why do I have to go outside to go to the liquor store? Well, that's in statute that you have to do that. I remember going to New Mexico and going to a Trader Joe's. I'd never been to a Trader Joe's, and this was a few years ago, and I said, hey, come, let's go into Trader Joe's. I want to go check it out. We've got a little time to kill. And I walk in there, and they have liquor in the store. And I was like, oh, my oh gosh. Oh, my God. Yes, there's, wait, it's, <laughs> it's not the end of the world. Are we in an abyss? Am I going to get sucked into a black hole here because they're selling liquor at the store? They actually sold spirits. I couldn't believe alcohol. Then you uh, go to Louisiana, and they sell liquor at Baskin-Robbins. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, we also have a full yeah, liquor yeah. section over here if you'd like to prove That's their 30-second that. flavor. <laughs> well, in the Costco example, most people think Costco owns they that do. liquor store, but Costco does not own that liquor no, store. They don't. And no, no, no. Why? They're, pro- they're prohibited from law from owning that because Costco is a publicly traded company. And, and, and I, I say Costco because that's... Uh, that, that's where I typically go in, in South Austin, but I, I don't know if there's liquor stores next to Sam's Clubs, but I'm sure that there are. But Who owns them then? So the one at Costco, it's they own the space and they lease it out to somebody, and it's somebody else that has a, that gets a liquor license from TABC to own and operate that store. And it's just Costco does it as a convenience. They're not allowed because they're a publicly traded company. Now, what's a pop- public policy reason for that? Uh, I have no idea. I, I don't know if there is one, but it it, it was uh, now that people are protecting it because they're scared of some of these larger companies that they think are going to in, impede on their turf. And that's exactly what it is. People are defending their turf that they have in place that where there are government protections to protect that turf. Well, who owns all the liquor stores then? I mean, it seems like corporations own liquor stores. I mean, there's very large chains of stores and I'm just... Yeah, I mean, and, I'm and just the, thinking Costco couldn't I mean they couldn't 
do a local LLC? I mean, it has to be. Yeah. I mean, who has the who, who has the ability to get a license to own a liquor store? Then, well, really, anybody in the state of Texas, if if you can go and get one through TABC and go through the process to get a license, you could do it. So, Charlie, if you've got you and, and your wife and y'all wanted to have a liquor store, y'all could actually go out and open up a liquor store, but you could only open up five. Now, if you start having children, then the, what, the way the law is written right I now... I have two, so how uh, many can I uh, have? Okay, good. So then when your children are old enough and they can get a license, each one of them can get five liquor stores, and then y'all can roll them up into a family partnership. <laughs> I, but I, the I, law says you're supposed to have five liquor stores. No, no one is supposed to have more than five licenses. Charlie, we need to find uh, like one of those record stop sound effects. <laughs> like, what did you say? I mean, why, why, yeah, there's why, a, there's why a, can you only own five liquor stores? It, again, it's the the turf is being protected. Now, is this this in the blue law? Is this something like when these laws came about? Because blue laws were back, you know, turn of the century, and it was based in religion. Like, you can't buy it on Sunday. Yes. When did stuff like this happen? I mean, has it always been that way in Texas? Or? Yeah, I think since 1930. So your Depression era laws that have been in place, and they've been tweaked a little bit, but not much. But there's just people out there that are protecting their turf because they want to protect their business interests without the consumer in mind and without the growth opportunity in mind because there is. Again, this there's a lot of job growth, and we we relaxed some of the regulations in 2011 and 2013. We got breweries that are craft breweries that are coming up. Which guess what? Some of those craft breweries are now getting bought by larger companies. So that's great for your return on investment to your shareholders. But it the creates five, more the, jobs. It does absolutely, and that's what it's about. It's creating more economic opportunities, more jobs. Stifling just regulation stifles innovation. I mean, yeah, this yeah, reminds need, me of the radio deal, like when you can only own one FM, one AM yeah. per state. Yeah, we, we need to look at regulations as taxes. And when we start to have some of my you know, colleagues that say, oh, I'm not going to pass any more regulations because that's a tax, and I, and I signed a pledge that said I wouldn't raise taxes, when that starts to happen, I think we'll start to truly get rid of some regulations. But we really have to look at regulations as a tax because they do impact the cost of goods for consumers. And when you have less regulations, you're going to have more competition. The whole five-store thing is just silly because you have a few companies out there that yeah, have 70 stores. Name. You've got some that have 148 stores. How, they have a family member tied to each one of those? Um, so the bigger the family, the more the bigger exactly, your company? Exactly. There was someone that came up and talked to me. Seriously? Uh, yeah. So if you're an orphan... Like, you cannot have a liquor empire. I, 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 th- <laughs> I think the article that Trey is uh, referencing, I made a comment about, and it, I, it was in jest, about uh, foster children. And I'm surprised that there are children that are on the adoption waiting list because you could grow your <laughs> liquor empire. Um, and it, it was a joke, and it is a joke. Well, and we're it, doing great CPS and foster care reforms this session. So That may not be a joke because I, I, I believe I mean, anyone who lives in Texas has been in a Specs, which is an amazing store. They are. Um, and they've got a great business model, but they have over a hundred sixty eight, I think. Well, yeah, over 150 for sure. These stores. So how they must have a bunch of foster kids. They well, it's basically when you r- roll up your your one child's five stores into your family partnership, that child can then go get five more. Oh, geez. Oh, wow. So it makes me realize that the the company that pretty much um Blankets Austin, it was a necessity that they be twins. Yes. <laughs> they yes. couldn't have done it if there was only one of them. That's <laughs> right. They couldn't have. And there's a, there's a situation like this with a, a, a family that owns, and it's, it's a husband and wife. They don't have any children. They own five stores, and they can't grow because they're limited from state law. 
So let, let me... Uh, I don't like that. <laughs> let me take this back and, and get a little philosophical. You know, under Governor Perry and now under Governor Abbott, they are constantly promoting Texas as a place that's open for business. We are pro-business, pro-free market, pro-competition, low taxes, low regulation. And we want p- businesses here. We want people here. We want to grow businesses. But then you're telling us that laws like this are on the books, and it just doesn't make sense to me. Yes, there's, there's laws like this that are on the book, again, hurting consumer, driving up cost, and quite honestly, driving business to other states, which is it's just unfortunate. Um, some other free market ideas that we have is we do not allow manufacturers of automobiles to sell directly to consumers in the state of Texas. Um, and there's a big concern from the, the dealers, the auto dealers, is that they're going to be put out of business and that... Um, there will no longer be a need for auto dealers because the Toyotas and GMs and Fords of the world would just come up and set up their own showrooms and sell direct to consumers. Now, that I, seems like a large group to fight. Yes. You have auto dealers. But isn't this a tiered system just like what we were just talking about? It, like uh, It is right now. A distiller can't sell direct, straight to the people. <clears throat> And so neither can a manufacturer of vehicles? Correct, yeah. And manufacturer of vehicles can't sell direct to consumers in the state of Texas. So they have to go through a dealer-distributor network, which, again, has been in place since the Depression era. Um, And I think dealers are great, and there's going to be a need for them, and they need to differentiate themselves to compete. And I think they have contracts with the manufacturers that say we're going to be your dealer for this geographic area and and so i think there's things that could be handled in contract law that don't need to be handled in statute but there i believe we're stifling innovation we need this 21st century transportation model which if you I've, i had an opportunity to, to tour a amazon just fulfillment center and watching robots autonomous vehicles pick up shelves and move them around that's awesome and not run into each other in synchronicity moving around this incredible space. The the example I used when I got home, and I could not stop talking about this with my wife and kids, was <laughs> imagine going to the grocery store and standing in one location and having every single one of your groceries brought to you and you're in and out of there in minutes. And they're like, oh, that'd be so cool. I go, that's what's happening at Amazon Fulfillment Center. And <laughs> it's, it's all automated. And there are these robots that pick up eight foot tall shelves that are about four foot wide that have hundreds of goods on them that weigh hundreds of pounds. And they're doing this autonomous. And when I, <clears throat> again, my background in the trucking industry, I'm thinking we're not far away from having these types of vehicles haul containers, right, trailers sure. up and down our highways without a truck, without a driver, and doing so safely and effectively using infrared and radar systems so they don't run into one another. Uh, well, it's we, progress. That's the future, right? It is. And it historically, is. think people or, or entities that try and get in the way of progress, it's a, it's, it's a temporary stall tactic when you look in the the long term or the timeline of things so they must see this that they're going because when you have innovation and progress like it's happening you can't really stop it and to say that well you know the internet and people making their own choices and buying direct i mean it just seems so obvious how are they is there a reason to stall trying to just get something done in a couple because i mean it seems like eventually it's a no-brainer sure and it's going to happen and 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 for us to in the state of texas stifle innovation from a a potential manufacturer of some of these autonomous vehicles uh, to are we slowing down that innovation are they going to open up in other states and set up manufacturing facilities and jobs in other states because they can't sell direct to 
if you have an Amazon, you know, an Amazon can't buy direct from a manufacturer of a vehicle that maybe hauls their freight up and down the highways. Just can't do it. They've got to set up a dealer distributor network, which my opinion, I believe that stifles innovation. Um, it's not, doesn't protect the consumer in any way. It just, it just hurts and it's going to slow things down and we're going to lose stuff to other states. So at the end of the day, the reason we are pro free market and uh, pro-business is because free markets allow for increased competition, which lead to increased innovation, which inc- it leads to better, better products at a lower price, and that benefits consumers. So let's let the free markets work, right? Yes, absolutely. I think that's the moral of this story, but I want to change topics just a bit. Uh, as we've pretty much shared with our audience, you are a conservative Republican from a pretty conservative area of the state of Texas, yet you are and have been involved in various pieces of legislation to decriminalize marijuana in certain aspects. Why? And tell us what you're trying to do. Well, and you, I'll start with the why first, but the, there's been a bill last session that I did not join author by Representative Moody from El Paso regarding de- decriminalization of small amounts of, of marijuana. And I said, well, I just don't know if I can do this this session, I'll, but I will research it and I will look into it. And, and if I agree with what you're doing, I'll come back and I'll be a joint author. And so I made that commitment to Representative Moody two years ago. I did my homework. I did my research and I kept my word and I joint authored his legislation this year that's been voted out of his committee and now in the calendars committee to decriminalize the small amount of possession of marijuana. We have students that go through our public education system that we as taxpayers have subsidized their public education. And then if they go on to an institution of higher education, we're probably subsidizing that as well, especially if they're going to a state school. We definitely are. And so we are, we're investing in students to get the best education that they can so that they can go on and be good, productive people and, and taxpayers and benefit and help grow jobs in this, this state. And if one of them makes a mistake, at college, all of a sudden they're branded a criminal mm-hmm. and they don't pass a background check. And again, I go back to the trucking. And they don't and, pay the state back. Yeah. And, and then we lose our investment. And then that percussion pr- problem, they probably become you know, a recipient of more benefits from the state because they can't find a job. And that's just not the way it should work. We shouldn't brand these people as criminals that make a, a bad decision. This doesn't legalize it in any way. It's still a crime. It's just not a felony. It's it's a it's basically like getting a parking ticket or a speeding ticket. There's still going to be a fine, mm-hmm. um, and they're still going to have to pay. And so I I believe you yeah the crime will fit the punishment and a two hundred and fifty or five hundred dollar fine, it's pretty severe punishment right. for doing this. But just not having it on their criminal background record so that when background checks are done, that's the thing in the trucking industry is is you try to find drivers and they one they either can't pass a drug test or they can't pass a background check sure and it's so hard to find good people to work and those then those people become beneficiaries of the state of texas and that that hurts texas that hurts taxpayers and so uh, that's why but i also believe that there are parents in the in the district that i serve that have children that have uh, intractable epilepsy severe autism or other neurological disorders where these children are having 20 some odd seizures a day Mm -hmm. and just cannot grow. And they are seeing positive results with treating their children with small amounts of THC, which is the the part of marijuana that gives you the euphoric feeling Mm -hmm. and or CBD, which is cannabis oil, which is non-euphoric, uh, which we passed legislation to allow to last session two years ago. Right. Even if it is euphoric, when's the last time you took a Vicodin? 
I mean, that stuff is pretty dang euphoric. And that's and a great, great point is we've got people that addictive. are getting hooked on drugs. They're getting hooked on Vicodin. And then that's why our opioid, we have an opo- opioid crisis here in the United States because they're taking these much, much stronger chemical components and they get hooked and they can't get a mm-hmm. prescription. So they result to theft. They get addicted. Right. Um, and weed's the answer. I mean, not to, I mean, I know you're representing people and you have to, but like to someone my age, just weed is not a big deal. I mean, it's a generational problem. It, it, it I mean, is. It, and I'm not saying when I'm 60, I'm probably going to have things that I think my kids are crazy about. I'm like, oh, nope, you're not going to see me changing my mind on I'm that. I'm still trying but, to figure out Snapchat. <laughs> God, <laughs> I hope that goes the way. Yeah, don't let, let, let us know when you get that figured out. Yeah, but so, no, I, these are important because these, these parents are treating their children and they're doing so effectively and they're actually seeing results with their children. Right. There was a video on YouTube of a, a family, the Zarder family in Richardson who have been to the Capitol several times where they treat their child with... Um, they treat her with THC. CPS showed up, and now CPS is working with this family very professionally. Oh wow! Um, because they're seeing positive results, um, but it, it could have gone the other way. This sure. family could have been criminalized. They could have had their child taken away from them. They could have been arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's just not the way it should be. This family should have safe, affordable access to medicine, especially in these neurological disorders that treat their children. And do so without being criminalized. Right. So what do you think the appetite is in the Texas legislature this session to pass some type of compassionate use bill for marijuana? Um, You know, we passed a a very, very narrow, extremely narrow scope last session. Um, And then and that was before the Republican Party of Texas had changed its platform. And then last year, the Republican Party of Texas changed its platform to call for specifically expanding the compassionate use legislation that was passed in 2015. So I hope that that provides cover for a lot of the Republicans that are later elected in office. And so I'm, I'm optimistic that we see some expansion with the compassionate use. Again, these neurological disorders are debilitating. And if you sit around and watch minute, you know, vi- YouTube videos for a few minutes, I have families that are in the district that I serve that if there are opponents to this legislation, they will invite them to come live with them for 24 hours. And I bet they don't make it four. Mm. It, it, it's, it's just horrendous. And it's absolutely horrendous. And when you know that there's something there that has shown to be proven effective and it's something that's non-addictive. Right. That's, that's I, cruel. I, 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 it is. It is cruel. And it's, that's cruel. It's, it is wrong. And we've, we've got to do something about it. We've got to give these parents more freedom and more liberty to treat their children effectively. More liberty. It's always more liberty. Answer. Amen. Amen. Um, Representative, we appreciate you coming on the show. What um, We know you're working hard this session to get some good legislation passed, and, uh, and thank you for doing that. What, what's on the political horizon for Jason Isaac? Uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying being in the House and serving the district that I have. I have two young boys. I've, I've, people have said, hey, you need to do this, you should do this, and, and I guess I'm, I'm maybe not as opportunistic as some, some <laughs> would hope, um, but I, I tend to I ran for office because I was frustrated, and so I'm guided by my frustrations, and there's plenty of frustrations in the House. Um, We have some border security issues that we're working through, and I think we're going to do a good job, and and I think some of the traffic is already down, but, um, you know, very controversial issue, sanctuary cities. Uh, that we're, yeah, we haven't talked about that at all. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it is very controversial, but you know we're dealing with criminals. And right. the, the first weekend the policy was put in place in Travis County, there were 12 people that were released that were not honored an ICE detainer that were there charged with domestic abuse. Hmm. And to me, that's appalling that 12 people that had they murdered their spouses 
they would have been detained in the ICE detainer, but be only because they were charged with domestic dis- d- abuse. They that didn't fit the criteria. So, so we've got to deal with some state issues on this, and and so I'm 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 really enjoying being in the House, and I look forward to continuing to serve the people of House District 45. So one last question: Will will there be a sanctuary city bill passed and signed by the governor this session? I I hope so. I, I can't say one way or the other, but I really hope so. I I was in the House in 2011 when it passed the House, right? And I hope I'm in the House in 2017 when it passes the House. Should have happened then. Uh, hopefully it'll happen this session. I hope so. Representative, as part of our, our, our departing tradition on at the end of our show, we always ask our guests to share with us some words of wisdom, a quote that means something to them, a Bible verse. Um, you got any words of wisdom for our audience today? I do. There seems to be so much anger right now, and it's interesting when I have constituents that, that contact me. By and large, most are very professional, but there's a few people that are very angry, and they're very hateful, and they come out, and it's like, why are you doing this, you idiot? Hmm. Um, and it's like, wait, oh, gosh, you started out so strong, because then I would have responded, but then you had to insult me, and, and it's really frustrating. And so, you know, I, I just I go back to Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you're doing. And so I, I try to remember that, to try to be positive to one another and build each other up and, and just ask questions and, and recognize that there's, there's probably nothing that I have 100% of the facts on. And so I try to get more information and try to be friendly and, and listen to the constituents that I serve uh, so that I can continue to learn. Well, we'll have to put that uh, Bible verse on our website and on our Facebook page at the Trey Blocker Show. One of the reasons Charlie and I started this show was to encourage uh, dialogue in conversation about issues rather than people getting their, their news and their information and sound bites and misquotes. And so hopefully we are achieving that to some degree, and we appreciate you being a part of it today, and we hope you'll come back. Sometime Trey, soon. Trey, great to be on the Trey Blocker Show, Charlie. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. you. Bet. Now, and next time uh, someone calls you an idiot, send them an email that looks like a, an automated response, and it says you're entitled to a Representative Isaac headshot. Thank you for supporting. And it, oh <laughs> boy, great, that'll that'll a, get them going. It's a great idea. Thanks for being here. Yeah. This has been the Trey Blocker Show. Find episodes at TreyBlocker.com or on your favorite podcasting app.